I try to hold on to hope, but unclenched, my hands are empty. Bleary eyes gaze over a barren desert. My fingers reach out to meet swirling emptiness and fall back at a loss. Where do I find that hope which infused my being not so long ago? How do I gild this broken throne when its foundations have slipped away? How do I hold on to hope after love's eternal river has changed course and now flows away from me? Hope, yes, hope is what I need. This poem by Anita Atina begs the question, how do we hold on to hope? How do we cling onto the hope of better things to come when everything around us seems to be falling apart? What hope can we claim in times of uncertainty? Well, as people of the Christian faith, we claim God, the creator, the redeemer, the sustainer as our hope. We claim God as the assuredness, the steadfast rock that will never break, the ocean of love that can never run dry, the wind and breath blowing constantly through our lives to lead and guide us in the way of peace and love for God and others. But even though we claim this hope, we can still forget this hope. Despite being people of a never-failing God, we often fail in remembering just who God is and how God has acted for us in the past, how we've experienced God's faithfulness. For whatever reason, we need reminders. We need reminders along the way of God's promises for us. We need reminders of the way God has acted for us and through us to carry out God's work, to help make the reality of God's realm more and more apparent in this broken world. We need reminders because the world is broken. Things threaten our faith and our trust in God, the trust that things will work out in the end. We look around and we see so much happening. Another mass shooting to mourn and grieve on the news. Catastrophic climate change looming closer and closer and grim warnings from scientific reports. Political unrest, not just in our American arguments over social media, but throughout the world. Wars and rumors of wars. Human lives being treated as issues or problems to deal with or get rid of. All these things threaten our grip on the hope we cling to and the promises of God. So we need reminders. The disciples needed reminders too. They often struggled with claiming hope. Last week we reflected on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended on the people in flames and the early church was empowered to evangelize and share a common life together according to the faith taught to them by Jesus. Their faith and hope were renewed and they were reminded who they were and the work they were called to. But they would go on to experience struggle. They would go on to face opposition from the wider world, the wider Roman-ruled empirical world. They faced persecution and imprisonment for 
spreading the good news of Jesus and inviting people to follow in his way. And to be fair, Jesus warned them about this, even before he was crucified. In his long farewell to the disciples that we find in the Gospel of John, Jesus warns the disciples about the things that are going to happen, the struggles they will face as his followers in lieu of his absence. There will be things they don't understand. There will be new situations presenting new problems that they have not faced before. There's still more they will struggle with post-resurrection. The disciples are worried and scared and anxious and fearful of what's coming next. If Jesus is going away, what are they going to do? How are they going to be the people Jesus called them to be if he's not around? How will they know his teaching? How will they remember his words? Well, Jesus, being who he is, assures them, you, will, you won't be alone. Yes, things will get hard and sometimes dangerous. Yes, it will get confusing and arduous. But I will not leave you as orphans. The spirit, the companion, the advocate, the paraclete will be sent to you. God's Holy Spirit will teach you and remind you of everything that I have told you. So hear these words from Jesus in John chapter 16. I have much more to say to you, but you can't handle it now. However, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. In all truth, he won't speak on his own, but will say whatever he hears and will proclaim it to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and proclaim it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine, and that's why I said that the Spirit takes what is mine and will proclaim it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the Holy Spirit, the one who comes after Jesus is raised, the one who came at Pentecost, will be the guide and teacher for the disciples. Just as Jesus was the one to communicate God's will and God's word to the disciples in a new way, so will the Spirit reveal and teach Jesus' words to the disciples in a new way. The Spirit is the sign of assurance, and reminder of Jesus' presence with the disciples, even when they can't physically see him. The Holy Spirit is the reminder for the disciples that God is still with them, and God is still working with and through them to carry out God's purposes for creation. And so after celebrating the coming of the Spirit last week, we are reminded, too, that the Holy Spirit is with us now. Yes, even now, we are not alone. The Spirit is here to guide us in the truth, God's truth, and to remind us and reassure us of God's steadfast love and faithfulness, which is present in all moments and places of our lives, even in moments of great fear and uncertainty. We can cling on to hope because of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. So when Jesus says the Spirit guides us in truth and proclaims Jesus' words, which are God's words given to Jesus, 
This does not necessarily mean that there are new truths that have been previously unrevealed. Instead, it means that we will constantly need to reinterpret the words of Jesus in light of our current situation. It's often said that Scripture is not a static, unchanging word about a society and community long lost to time. Rather, Scripture is God's living word, moving and breathing according to the Spirit's movement in our lives. The Spirit speaks through Scripture to help us understand our world and our society more clearly and know how we are to respond faithfully as disciples of Jesus. This is the Spirit guiding us in truth, grounding us in the Word of God, but also opening our eyes and our minds to see and understand God's Word in a new way. It's the Spirit, says Fred Craddock, who keeps us asking the question, what does Jesus mean for today? And just as we affirmed last week, this means that the Holy Spirit leads us into new and exciting territory. Sometimes newness can be frightening and uncomfortable, and many of us don't like to change our routines. We resist change that the Spirit is trying to move us towards. But given that time keeps moving and the world keeps spinning, we have to figure out how our faith relates to the world around us. How can the good news of Jesus Christ speak to the world we're living in and the issues it faces? What does it mean to say that Jesus is the answer, as you might read on a billboard coming up and down 95? The church has grappled with this question throughout history, whether it's calling for reformation and separation from the Catholic Church, seeking to abolish slavery and get rid of segregation in the United States, or advocating ordination and marriage for the LGBT plus community in the church. These were moments where the church was called to respond faithfully to God's word in a new way. Unfortunately, we are still seeking justice to God's uh, still seeking justice in God's way on so many of these issues and still so many more. But nevertheless, the Spirit calls us and leads us into new understanding of God's truth to seek answers and responses to these questions and figure out how the way of Jesus speaks to where we are now. We don't always have the answers in the moment, but that's okay because the good news is we can and must trust in the Holy Spirit to lead us through the exploration. We need God's guidance in the truth. We need reminders of what is true in a world that often feels truthless. And when the world feels truthless, that's when we can fall into despair. That's when our grip on the hope we claim begins to loosen, as the poem said a few moments ago. The weight of the world and all of its problems weighed down on us and threatened to make us fall. How can we possibly spread the good news in a world that seems so bad? Well, as Paul points out in our first reading this morning in his letter to the Romans, the hope we claim as the people of God allows us to take pride in our pain, to embrace it as an opportunity to experience hope, 
and experience God working in our lives. Now, taking pride in our problems and pain seems like a strange concept, especially in light of so many who needlessly suffer throughout the world. But this does not mean that we go out seeking suffering for suffering's sake. We don't want to attempt to make ourselves overzealous martyrs for the gospel or allow or inflict suffering on other people. That's not the calling God has placed on our lives. Rather, as writer and blogger Mark Manson says, pain is a fact of life that we unfortunately can't escape. Pain is a part of our everyday experience, no matter what happens. Even trying to pursue a painless life is itself a form of suffering because we will never find it. We can never have a pain-free life, at least on this side of the grave. What we have to do instead is try our best to upgrade our pain. We have to choose and decide as much as we can, as much as it's in our power, what's worth suffering for. What are the values we strive to live out as the people of God that make the opposition to our faith worthwhile? That's what Paul is talking about in this letter to the Romans. Paul says that despite our suffering, we can still boast in our hope of God's glory because we have an abiding peace with God because our faith is worth the struggle. Our pain and problems become a necessary but diminished evil because we know that our values and our striving are aligned with God's will, or at least we seek for them to be. As Paul says later in Romans, our present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us, the coming glory of God's kingdom that we can participate in the here and now, that we can catch glimpses of in the present moment. We can endure trouble and produce hope through our experiences because God is present with us in our struggle. God's love is a constant because it is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, through our faith in God, in Jesus. But striving for this and enduring problems and trouble is not something we can do alone. As the body of Christ, we're called to do this in community. We're invited to do this together. That's one of the most important things we can lift up and affirm about today, Trinity Sunday, and what the theologians call the doctrine of the Trinity. The image of the triune God shows us that God is a relational being. God works in community to accomplish God's work. As Jesus says, the Spirit proclaims what Jesus gives, and Jesus proclaims what God gives. It's a mutual give and receive relationship. So since we're made in the image of God, the image of the triune God, we are relational, just as God is relational. Jesus formed a community of disciples. It wasn't just him. And at Pentecost, the Spirit filled the community of believers, not just particular individuals. Being together in community as the people of God, whether it's on Sunday morning or some other time throughout the week, helps us to remember the hope we claim and cling on to. 
We need each other as reminders and assurances that we are not alone. So for today, at least, here's our reminder. We aren't alone. God is with us. Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us as our companion and our friend, empowering us, guiding us in all truth, and reminding us of the faithfulness of God so that we can proclaim God's faithfulness and promises to the rest of the world. Promises for justice, peace, love, and all-consuming good that will one day envelop all of creation. Now, as we go out proclaiming these promises to the world, the Spirit goes with us, guiding us in the way of Jesus and keeping us clinging on to hope so that we can share that hope with a world that so desperately needs it. May we be assured, as Paul says, that hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. May we remember and guide each other in that truth now and forever. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. Gracious God, thank you so much for the gift of your Spirit guiding us in the way of Jesus and reminding us of your constant love and compassion. As we seek to be your people out in the world, open our hearts to your leading. Guide us in the truth and assure us of the hope we claim as your people so that we can share that hope with the rest of the world. Amen.